You're listening to Education Experts with EDX Education. Education is evolving. Join Heather Welch from EDX Education chatting with teachers, psychologists, parents, authors, creatives and other talented experts to keep up with the trends and what's happening from around the globe. This podcast series from EDX Education discusses home learning, school readiness, being creatives, changing in education, discussing what's next, hands-on learning, or as we like to say, learning through play. Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education and today we'll be in conversation with Amanda Archer. Amanda is a mum, a teacher, a researcher and an education expert. Amanda's worked in education for 25 years as a teacher. She's also been a consultant to EDX Education for doing some design scaffolding activities with children with STEM, I should say STEAM actually, STEAM activities in Dubai. And she's currently researching digital language and communication. I have to tell you, Amanda is one of my very good friends who I first met in Dubai and has lived all around the world. We first met living in Dubai as expats and she has always been a great source of educational advice over the years and just an amazing mum friend. So today I'm really excited to have Amanda on board with us because it's also International Podcast Week as well. So today, Amanda, we're chatting with you about your research, your love of learning and communication and digital language. Welcome, Amanda. We are so happy to have you here today. Oh, thank you for having me. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you. So listen, I know I know that now you're living, you're still living overseas. So we've both left Dubai, which is always a fun experience. But what have you been up to? I hear I want to hear a little bit about this researching that you're doing at the moment. Well, I've been living in the Netherlands now for two years and I've um, been speaking a lot to people about uh, the language around being online for mostly Generation X. So I've been talking to educators, I've been talking to millennials, uh, and it's been a really interesting um, insight into where we're heading with regard to comments online and how children engage with um, being online. So I suppose, you know, I mean, I know for myself, I think, you know, the last 12 months has maybe supercharged the younger generation in this uh, in this as well. But let's before we go too much into this, I'd love to know, why did you first go into teaching? I've always loved the process of teaching and learning and discovering new ways to engage in this process. Uh, I am invested as an educator in progress results and not final results. Uh, my educational philosophy is simple. Every child counts. And the travel is good too. Uh, I've been studying <laughs> and teaching in education for a really long time. Uh, I started teaching in 1996. My first 10 years teaching in cities all over Australia. I also completed my master's in education in online learning. The conclusion I came to from my study was that online learning will never replace a teacher. And I think during the pandemic, we've realised this uh, to a certain degree that um, a lot of things can be done online, but I think we also need to realise that the teacher will always play a role in our children's education. That's so true. Yeah. So after that, I, I taught in London. Uh, after teaching in Australia, I had two children. I worked in supply teaching in London, which I learnt quite a lot about uh, children and young people and also um, how they are engaging online. 
Uh, I taught in Dubai, but in Dubai, I mostly focused on the impact digital media was having on the education sector. Which is really true. I love how you say that, that um, online teaching will never replace a teacher. It is true. I and mean, I think we've both been through it in the last 12 months with our kids learning at home, learning through Zoom or any sort of online platform. It's very true. But I think what you would have looked at in the master's um, back then probably has changed a lot about online learning these days, then, wouldn't you say? Yes, because I think at the time I did my master's, we just weren't far enough down the line to really... In, have uh, online learning as an impactful uh, way of allowing children to engage. Also, the cost of the technology was just too high. Uh, a lot of people thought it was just a waste of money in those in those uh, early days, <laughs> the early thousands. And uh, and the politicians just didn't want to get on board. Uh, I think now is the time that we have to realise it is making an impact. Yeah, that's very true. It's funny, you know, they're saying in the business world, there's a new word for being hybrid, the hybrid model. So being physical and digital, they call it, I think it's the physical or sort of physical or something like that. It's physical and digital combined. And they're saying that's the new way for the hybrid moving forward. So it's been really interesting. Now, I know you love teaching because we've always spoken about teaching. Um, And I'd love to know, you know, what first brought you there? Why do you have this love for teaching? Well, the children, firstly, I really do enjoy working with children. Um, education is always changing, but some things stay the same. And I think I like that consistency. And it's what has um, kept me uh, in education for so long. Teaching and learning are fundamentally the same the world over, which has been great for my lifestyle living in different countries because I can just go and work anywhere. I can pick up work wherever I I am and that's been a a real advantage. Here's a question have you found it different working in say for example schools international schools around the world compared to being in schools in Australia which you wouldn't have as much I mean you do have an international community but it's not as much of an international community. Definitely and I think that you have to really sign up for it as a parent if you want your child to have that expat experience. It's a much broader experience but with that comes some complexities that you wouldn't necessarily have to deal with if you, say, stayed in your home country. It's something that you have to consider. And I think that the online world has had an impact on that in good and bad ways. Uh, I mean, for example, my children have been uh, over lockdown chatting with their friends from all different countries playing different games and they have to figure out which child, which friend of theirs is in, in the right time zone for them to, <laughs> to play, <laughs> play FIFA uh, 2021 together and uh, things like that. So it's it's been, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, but I think as a parent you really have to decide whether it's for you and your family. There's a lot of maths in that, working out what time is it in Dubai to what time it is in Europe, what time is it in Australia, we could, how can we get us all that? So, you know, even now when we do appointments, I still get it wrong. I have to use time clock converter and all this. So they're probably doing better than I am. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they, they're doing much better than us. <laughs> <laughs> and then, look, I love this, your new, your latest research project, looking at digital language and communication in children. I mean, I know with my own children, it's been supercharged due to homeschooling and relying on these mediums, working from home, 
Um, however, you know, I do think that parents, as parents, we get confused with what you're actually researching, which is the change in the digital language and, and the, the developments to learning online. You know, say, for example, if I have my youngest child, you know, learning to read on an app or something is different to what you're actually researching. So I was wondering if you could explain it a little bit more to us. Sure. So firstly, it's, it's uh, I've, I've been looking at mostly uh, children who are in the preteen uh, range group and also teenagers. And what they have to realise is chatting online is not the same as chatting in real life. That's basically, yeah. in a nutshell, what uh, we need to convey to them. It's not, I haven't been looking at how children learn uh, with the apps. I think that's that's been done. But I think what we need to really focus on is comments, what they're reading about comments by other people and how we need to interpret this. So first of all, a lot of the comments uh, hold no weight. And what we need to focus on is the people behind the comments. Let's talk about, you know, who are these people, first of all? Do you know them? Do you, you don't know them? Why are they posting? Why are they saying the things that they are saying? And we talk about the kind of people that they are, in, 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 and this can be in a, a positive or a negative context. And we need to be able to say, think to ourselves, well, these aren't, are they not, they're not difficult conversations to have with our, our children and young people, but they are maybe a little uncomfortable. A great way to engage with, with your child about these type of conversations is have uh, maybe, for example, if your school writes to all parents saying, we would like you to talk to your children about WhatsApp messaging and the damage that this can have. Yeah. And that is the, a bridge to, to starting the conversation. And then you don't have to go in and say, what do you want to talk about? But it's more about, okay, I've got this message from your teacher or I've been chatting to your sports coach and, and, and having a bridge that lets them talk about, say, other things and then get to the heart of the conversation. Yeah, no, I get it's having that. So, you know, on the football field, if you say something off the cuff, it's not there forever. But if you write that, in say for example on a whatsapp message it's there forever i mean you can delete it but you know they may have already read it so the damage is done and that's very different than an off-the-cuff comment when you miss a goal or something in a team and i mean even then it shouldn't be said but you know it can be forgotten to a degree is that what you're kind of saying yes well there's there's context there as well in the real life in the real life world uh and also there's the the ability to be able to read the situation um, and I think you, you don't get that online and children don't realise this. They see it online and they interpret it how, how they want to. And particularly if they're in a, having a bad day, they might read it in a way that's really negative. It's a, it's a really interesting um, source of, of education that we, we, we haven't really touched on because we haven't needed to. We haven't been in this situation where, where children are looking to us for direction. Um, because uh, being online is something that we're all trying to to get used to. You gave me a really, we spoke, when we were speaking last week, you gave me a really lovely way to explain it and a really good learning, a learning, a learning say, curve for your own children. You were explaining about the Euro 2020 football final where you saw a lot of online 
hate messages posted about particular players. And I suppose, could you tell our audience about that? Because that was, I think that was such a lovely way to, you know, use a real life experience that they can connect with and they were kind of part of to a degree because they can see what's been written and not understand why it has been written. Yes. So for for my children, football for them is is something that they engage with with their friends. They play on the weekend. Uh, they're, they're not exposed to a lot of the, the neg- negativity around football. Uh, I've managed to uh, find some really great coaches here in, in the Netherlands for, for them to see as role models. And I think they're aware, they're become, becoming aware that football does have some negative aspects to it. Um, but we, instead of me asking, oh, you know, have you read the posts because of course they they follow the players uh the football players they they know a little bit about why people are saying the things that they're saying online but I didn't focus on the comments I focused on the people who were posting and I said what do you tell me what do you think of the people who are writing these things and one son said they're idiots and the other said (laughs) oh they don't deserve to be even watching football, you know, because they, they hold the game in high regard. They think it's a wonderful game and only for people who, who respect the game. And I think there's a time and a place to talk about racism and it's equally as important a conversation. But at that time I, I, want, I didn't want to give weight to the words and I think we, we need to shift away from, from that and talk about well, who, who are these people and, and why are they posting and why do you think they, they're saying these things? And, and that's what my focus is. And, and again, it, it, we, we need to talk about these things and it'll come from the school, say, or from coaches. Uh, please have this conversation with your children about being online. And I think we've heard from researchers, we've heard from, from people about, the data and 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 it's shocking and we can't just keep blaming uh the big text the politicians we have to start saying well let's take some control and let's start doing that and i find anyway for 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 me from my research is that it's communication and language development that needs to be the focus to help children and and guide them through being online yeah no it's definitely and especially in the last four months we have actually all I suppose we have actually we increased time you know I love your children's responses in a child's eyes they just give us the best responses straight away you know straight away they're like actually they had an understanding that you know they had the emotional connection and they said you know they're idiots they don't deserve to watch something that they love so much and I think it's such a a wonderful way to explain it because it's so simple <laughs> so simple simply put but education is key I can't agree with you more and maybe this is something that as you say we haven't started to really have these conversations with children we're sort of kind of band-aid fixing it I think you know like if something happens all of a sudden we're like oh okay you know talk to them about this rather than having we need a whole solution or even part of the curriculum because this is part of our curriculum these days isn't it it is and uh, I I actually read a lot of government policy and procedure 
and I have uh, found a lot of great research by um, the New Zealand government into being online and they uh, publish fantastic resources. It's a really broad base of, of, of information and that is targeted towards parents mostly and educators and teachers. And I think that what we need to realise is that there is no answer to being online and the real world. What we need to do is build the bridges together, whether it be with the school, whether it be with um, your sports club and how the kids interact on their WhatsApp groups with their sports friends. The Premier League, how my children follow the Premier League. How, how is the Premier League going to interact with us? Uh, this week I saw a great um, Instagram post by the um, Instagram, the head of Instagram, Adam Missouri. And he said, oh, we're taking a pause on Instagram for kids, which is for 10 to 12-year-olds. We're taking a pause so we can talk to researchers and educators about how it's impacting uh, children and, and what they want to see from it. And I thought, I didn't realise that I had to have that conversation <laughs> about Instagram for kids. So I think there's, it, but he's got a lot of skin in the game. He wants to promote Instagram for kids. And I think what we need to do is, is to have a really good base with our children as to what is acceptable and what we do. For example, uh, Instagram, I've done a whole heap of research on Instagram. And when my, my eldest son was eight or nine, he wanted an Instagram account. And I said, no, you're too young. And I said, okay, well, let's set one up. And we put in his real birthday. And a few days later, he said, my account's gone gray. It's gone. I said, well, yes, I received an email. Instagram <laughs> shut you down because you're too young and you're not old enough. And he realised that Instagram, that, it, that Big Brother's watching. And I didn't go into the whole concept of, the, of Big Brother and, and how there are algorithms and, and, and actually people who monitor. But he realised it's not just about posting photos and, and having your friends say nice comments about you or something that um, is, is quite... Or potentially getting a troll saying something not so nice about you as well. Yeah, and I and this has to be... And, and settings. I uh, follow Adam Missouri and he'll, he'll say, oh, we've put up, we've, put, we've included new privacy settings and I'll try them out and, and to see how far they actually go. And it's an interesting experiment into finding out, well, okay, Instagram will promote their new privacy settings, but they just don't go far enough sometimes to really... For children or for... My children don't have an Instagram account, um, but my son, I think he's been scarred. He's, he's actually 13 now, so we haven't told he's him legal. now <laughs> to have an Instagram account. But he said to realise, because we talked about platforms um, and he said well I sometimes see TikTok and I have WhatsApp groups with my friends and we talk it's very boring you know, we talk about let's meet at the supermarket in 20 minutes um, or uh, are you riding your bike to school today uh, and it, so it, he said it's it's not very interesting and I said to him so it's a form of communication it, it is and it's more like a uh, hey, do you want to play FIFA? Let's. Uh, are you home? Uh, but I said to him because I wanted to take some of the heat out of the conversation. I said, "Look, 
we have to realise that recent research that was actually published two weeks ago by the Wall Street Journal of a leaked document by, from Instagram, disgruntled employee, uh, leaked a document about their own internal uh, research into the impact of Instagram on young people and one in three girls were negatively impacted by Instagram. And I said, what well, we have to, and my, my, I have two boys, they said, look, it, we don't really get online much. And I said, I want you to realise that this impacts girls more than boys. And you have to be aware and sensitive toward that, that, that girls are feeling really low and feeling really down about themselves because of, of posts and, and what is being said online. And that really made them think about other people and the impact it's having not just on them but on other people. And me bringing it back to research uh, and, and, and uh, research and, and documentation and data that's coming out now made them realise that it's not just me talking or their teacher. It's actually... <laughs> Wall Street Journal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that was an interesting and interesting conversation. And, and he's, I said, you, what about Instagram? I said, well, Instagram shut me down. <laughs> so he, he's uh, he's not too keen on on Instagram. But he said, oh look, I, if I want to watch football, as I watch them on YouTube, uh, clips from World Cups in nineteen sixty whatever. Yeah, they can they can find all these things. And so I know what which areas they're in, but if you, I could not explain to you all the parental controls on all of these different platforms because I realised that it's impossible and I could never get around them all. I can never completely make them safe online. All I can do is let them know that we, um, we're there and if, if they see anything online they're not comfortable with, just shut it down, just turn it off. Yeah. That's really true. I mean, that is such an important conversation, as you said. They're going to see it anyway. We might as well, you know, even, I mean, William could ask Alexa certain questions and Alexa may may answer or may not or may just say, I'm not sure I can answer that question if it's something a little bit contentious. So, I mean, they have, they have, they've got, I suppose they've got information at their fingertips, which we sort of had to research or we had to go into, even at, when I was at university, we had to go into ERIC, which was a system, and then we had to go through the system to book a, to get a library book to see if the library book was there or to get a journal and we could download it. We had to wait three days. You know, it wasn't like it is now. So the thought would be gone. And then, you know, you'd find some, another way to, how can I, because we didn't really have, I mean, when, I'm just trying to think when the internet came in, but now, I mean, it's so developed and there's everything is at our fingertips and it's quick. Everything's quick. Our children are used to things, you know, whether it's a, an Amazon parcel coming, being delivered or another massive company, you know, shouldn't really say Amazon, but any of the, the, the big e-commerce, they're just used to, it's a very different lifestyle, I suppose. But, you know, I mean, many people will be interested in this subject, Amanda, you know, how can they read more about it? Or, you know, is it, do you have any great tips to give people that want to read about this or even, you know, a little bit more information to be able to communicate with their own children? I know that there's common sense media, which is something that we've used when it comes to talking about Say if my son wants a TikTok account, I've said no at this stage because it is actually recommended ages 13 and he's not there yet. So we sort of use things like that and like we can show him and say, actually, do you know, you know, realistically, you should be this age to have this. 
So, you know, how can people read more about this subject, especially digital language and communication? Well, the, the, go to your school, go to ask your child's uh, teacher for access to their uh, policy for online use. So that's a really good starting point because it's particularly now since uh, post-COVID or post-pandemic lockdown, they should have updated all of their policies regarding online use. Uh, it should have been done actually during, during lockdowns. As, um, and also what you need to do is think about getting as much information as you can uh, through resources. I mean, the BBC produce amazing uh, clips and short films about online use and children. And they, if you follow their education um, uh, writer, I'm sorry, the name has, has escaped me, but they have a whole section on education on their BBC um, app. And you can go in and you can search for all the latest uh, research and data. So go back to how, think about, talk to your friends about, well, how was it for you as a teenager? Talk to your friends, talk to people who have, are going through the same experience with, with their children. I think that we need to stop looking at people who are trying to tell us what we should be doing and thinking like uh, Nick Clegg, he's the head of PR for Facebook. I, I don't think he really has my child's interest at heart. And it, it, fair enough, he's, it's not his job. Um, so the people who, who do, who are thinking about my children are the people in my local community um, and, and my support group. So look to them as well. But yeah, a good starting point would be your school and ask them, I'd really like to see your policy for, uh, for children being online. Um, and also the issues around that, that were raised with uh, everyone's invited. That is going to change the way schools approach uh, online education and online information for, that they uh, are giving to children. Amanda, thank you so much. It's really exciting to hear about your research and especially, you know, it is changing. The digital language and development is changing in many ways, you know, whether it's for the way that we're going to teach, it's the way that they're educating themselves as well, which I think, and then trying to make sure they're seeing what is real news, what is real, what is real life, what isn't real life. And, you know, I mean, even as um, I suppose mothers, we sometimes look at this and think, wow, how have they got such a perfect house or playroom? My playroom never looks like that. You know, even something silly as that, which can affect you if you are sort of feeling a little bit down. Um, but no, I really look forward to reading about it and having the difficult conversations with, I suppose, my own children as well. So it's been really good, some of the tips that you've given today. And I thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Heather. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you, so do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners. 